Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nightmares Podcast, where we talk about all things horror-related, spooky, comics, games. Yeah! <laughs> that so, was awful! I don't know. I'm, I, I gotta get more creative with these intros. You've but, done better. Yeah, I yeah. know. That, that, was, that was not my best intro. Oh, whatever. You've done worse. No, I have not done worse. Personally, I think this is my worst. Anyways, uh, today we have a topic, and uh, Mark, do you want to talk about our topic? I will talk about our topic. So, uh, like I said, we cover anything horror. So, what I did was I wanted to think a little bit outside the box. So, I asked these two gentlemen, and I'm going to ask even myself in this case, uh, what horrific events or serial killers would you love to see turn into a television show or movie that has not already been turned into a television show or a movie. Um, uh, we're giving away a, a little bit of industry secrets, but you know, I just assume that most people are lazy and they wouldn't actually uh, do anything about it. So we can just uh, talk freely and openly and have a good time and um, and uh, you know come up with some cool ideas and see uh, you know what everybody has to say. So um, I'm going to give Zach an opportunity to redeem himself from that really shitty intro. And let him go first and talk about his particular picks um, about what he might find interesting with serial killers or horrific events. What I might found? Yes, that is correct. That is the actual uh, linguistic way to pronounce that sentence. Sure it is. Okay, so one of the serial killers I found the most interesting. um, Back in, uh, I think it was like 2015 or so, when I was writing my first script for my senior project in uh, school... I was doing a lot of research on serial killers to try to get inspiration for my project, and I stumbled um, across this guy called uh, Ricardo Ramirez, or Richard Ramirez, and he was deemed the Night Stalker. Um, So he hunted and killed people from June 1984 to August 1985, and his land of the killing was in Los Angeles and San Francisco. This guy raped people, brutalized people, shot, killed, bludgeoned, you fucking name it. This guy was a terrible, horrifying individual. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty bloody massacre. And, you know, there's a lot of serial killers that do a lot of bad things, but there was one thing that really made this guy stick out to me, and it was a quote he said. And I thought it was a pretty interesting quote, and a pretty powerful one, too. Let me know what you guys think of this. We all got the power in our hands to kill, but most people are afraid to use it. The ones who aren't afraid of it control life itself. That's horrifyingly true. Um, and very creepy. Um, but and and, and It oh, is probably one of my favorite quotes. The um that's yeah, that's that's actually pretty fucking true. And I would actually even relate that to to just people in power in general. The uh, governments and organizations and, you know, not to get too philosophical, but that's that's actually a good thing that you can say about most large things in the world. The um, uh, Anything that has that much power is a pretty, pretty good quote to have. I wouldn't be surprised if half these fucking billionaires have that quote hanging above their door. The, um, uh, I mean, that's pretty powerful statement. But the question you got to ask is, are they actually willing to kill somebody themselves? No, 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 no. But they do hold the pow- uh, the the powers and the reins to I think, have somebody else do it. I think. Well, in this quote, life is taken extremely literally. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, this is true. This is true. So yeah, if you so if you want to take it at face value, literal, yeah. But if you want to get like really artsy, fartsy, pretentious <laughs> on what is life, <laughs> one of the things I like about this quote is it actually you know, puts the meaning of power into perspective. You can have all the fucking money in the world you want, but if I have a knife to your throat, I have the power at that moment, and I could take your life. At the end of the day, we're all still human, and we all die, for the most part, the same. 
slit to the throat, you're not surviving that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. A few extra stabs. Mm, you, you, you could survive a slit to the throat. It's survivable. Not likely, but it is survivable. What about three direct stabs to the throat? Mm, yeah, they, they, Highly I'm, less likely. I what think, if I also shove a knife in your eye socket at the same time? I, I, now you're just getting ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that's next week's podcast, Zach. The, 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 um, uh, so, no, I agree. And, and actually, there's a lot of really interesting... Okay, so... Um, and then Charles Manson had another really interesting one. There was a dude who was interviewing him in jail. A lot of these serial killers do have pretty interesting quotes, but this oh, one, oh, just oh. in particular, I just that one, think of me what you want, spoke to me. <laughs> it, it, it did. That it, is, it's so fucking true. The, um, uh, well, dude, the, 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 the line between insanity, insanity and genius is often very blurry. Um, the, um, but... Yeah, uh, Charles Manson was getting interviewed, and, and somebody said, "You know, do you have the you know, what is your opinion on capital punishment? And, you know, and do you think that you should be sentenced to death for your crimes and everything?" And he's like, "I don't have the authority to make that opinion." He's like, "You have the authority to think what you want to think." And he's like, "I think what I'm what I'm told to think, don't you?" And and and, and I'm like, I'm like, that's that's I, I don't like that I agree with something that Charlie Manson said. And what's really fucked up? A lot of these serial killers are a lot smarter than people would like to give them credit for. Oh, dude, like no, that's what they said about um, uh, you know, uh, uh, the guy who um, son of Sam, like you know, one of the guys who was a detective. He's like, he's like, most of these guys are fucking geniuses, yeah, and they get away with this for a long time. It's it's dumb luck that that they, they get caught. Do you know? Uh, so Richard Ramirez. You know what? The, they had a weird involvement with ACDC with him. Really? It was like a big thing in the fucking press. So um, ACDC um, uh, the, uh, got attacked by the press because Richard Ramirez left an ACDC hat at one of the crime scenes. <laughs> and they related um, Night, the, the Night Stalker with the song Night Prowler. And, and, they, and, and they tried to analyze the lyrics and say that that everything that Richard Ramirez was doing was exactly the same as um, as as he was doing. As ridiculous, you know something funny. Okay. I was going to say, you know, they did the same thing with Marilyn Manson with the uh, what's it called? With Columbine, yeah, yeah, with Columbine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was well. That, you know something funny though. I as ridiculous as both of those are, at least the one with about Night Prowler had a tiny bit. Of of actual credibility, do I do I give them a lot of credibility? No, but at least at least some of the things it's kind of like it was kind of like Nostradamus bullshit where you where you hear it and you're like, well, maybe it's kind of like to stretch as much as those news reports that tried. I know, I know, but you, you you actually listen to the lyrics and it does sound similar to some of the crimes. But at the end of the day, it's it's bullshit. Yeah. The guy was crazy. Here's the thing: he if you're a huge fucking band, you know Slayer, Metallica, you have millions of fans across the world. I'm sure a few of those millions of people have murdered somebody in their day. You can't blame them for somebody's dumbest decisions. At least one of them is going to be crazy. Exactly. Oh, yeah, no, or a lot more than just one. Like, the amount of times they've tried blaming Call of Duty, Doom, and Grand Theft Auto for, like, shooters and stuff, it's like... Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Mortal Kombat was a huge one. Um, I, yeah, but they gave up on that. Now it's all fucking GTA and Call of Duty. So, so I was watching Bi- back in my day. <laughs> yeah, the um, uh, dude, I was watching behind the, behind the music. And I can't remember what, what which one of the the, the young brothers said it, um, but he's like, I could never figure out why they would target me, and I'm like, hold on. The uh, <laughs> I'm like, hold on. The uh, I under, dude, I'm all for clearly all about artistic freedom and saying whatever the fuck you want to say. 
but you can't also just play like ignorant and be like, you you made a song called Highway to Hell. <laughs> like and Hell's Bells. And like and, and then all of a sudden you get blamed for Satan satanic shit. And then you're like, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Come on, you so are you that naive? Get the fuck out of here, dude. They um I mean I don't get me wrong. I agree with you. I understand why you wrote what? Highway, Hi- Highway to Hell was about visiting his mother-in-law and Hell's Bells was about when he got married. I don't <laughs> see how anything has to do with Satan whatsoever. Dude, it's like that fucking family guy joke about the ba- right to bear arms. <laughs> it clearly means to display a, a pair of bear arms on the wall. <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. The um no and I funny enough Hell's Hell's Bells is actually a tribute to Bon Scott and Highway to Hell is about the trials and tribulations of being on the fucking road. Um the um but and but also at the same time come on man you got you got to meet me halfway on this one like I'll 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 defend you for artistic expression but you can't be a dumbass and say oh I don't know how they you know I don't know how they would have come after us I mean. <laughs> Rebel, that's ridiculous. No, no, come on, dude. That was really? the worst ACDC impression I've ever heard. No, it wasn't an ACDC impression, nor would I attempt to do one. The Because uh, I would never hear the fucking end of it from you two. That, none of us have the fucking voice for an ACDC impression. Uh, no, the um, my voice doesn't go that high anymore. The um, uh, But yeah, the, the, there was a whole big thing. And even the detective was who was on the case, he's like, the, the press made an awful lot of assumptions. They they put a lot of things to that hat. When at the end of the day, the dude just wore a hat. I'm like, yeah, it was a piece of evidence, but it was just left at the scene. And then like Richard Ramirez later on was like, yeah, ACDC inspired me. And I'm, I remember hearing that. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> You're just crazy. You would, you would tag yourself onto anything that you thought might get you the insanity plea. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I figured I'd bring that up to your attention about Either Richard way, Ramirez. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, um, pretty interesting serial, serial killer. I'd like to see a movie or show done on him. Have you seen any actual clips of him or anything? No. Okay. Just articles and uh, pictures and stuff. Because like I, I am kind of curious, like, because you really like the quote. So I'm really curious, like, if you ever were to see any footage of him, would that just make you go, he's the guy that said that? No, I've seen pictures and stuff of him, so I do know what he looks like and stuff. Right. He's yeah. rather gangly. Yeah. He's not really, he doesn't look that imposing. Because like, I, I, Depending I, on I've what had... pictures, there are some black and white pictures where it's just like, yeah, that's pretty fucking creepy. Because, yeah, like, it, it just, whenever, like, somebody posts, like, a quote from something or anything, I, mean, I, I guess even from, like, when I've seen, like, negative comments about our own work mm-hmm. and then i'm just like then i finally like see a picture or like a clip of the person I'm just like that's the guy that said that <laughs> all right <laughs> all your power has been drained away from you the uh the um uh, the facade of the internet it doesn't mean much folks it doesn't mean much the uh but anyway um what were, uh, what was the uh, you said you had a horrific event that you uh yeah the uss indianapolis yeah that's that would yeah the, um, I mean, anybody that's a fan of Jaws will know all about, you know, all about that. It's the shark movie that I've always wanted to see, and it's the one that I would love to, if I ever get the chance, make someday. It's I've... a really fucking... Okay, so tell the story, you know, obviously it's been done in Jaws, but, tell, but you know... Yeah, the, so the USS Indianapolis was the ship that uh, helped deliver the, um, the atomic bombs, and on their way back they were sunken. Because nobody got the memo that the war was essentially over at that point. So, yeah, they were stuck. So, 
the crew and everybody was stuck out there and because it was such a top secret mission nobody was going to come out to rescue them so they were stuck out there for fucking days or months at a time and during this yeah during this process they're just constantly getting attacked by fucking sharks you know you have people out there in the middle of the ocean all alone you have a downed fucking uh, carrier, so that's like, it's ringing the dinner bell. Everything, every shark and their mother's gonna come and just investigate. And yeah, people were just getting eaten alive, and there's some pretty horrific fucking tales about what these people had to go through. And I would love to see that brought to the screen, or I would love to bring it to the screen myself, because it's probably the one shark movie that has been un, just untapped, that needs to be tapped, and it can bring shark movies to glory again, at least for hopefully a month or so. Until the next Sharknado comes out, at least. Shut up, Brandon. The, and, then, and then it ruins everything. <laughs> and all the critics go, wow, people are really stupid. We have this beautiful, like, heroic story about, about all these soldiers in World War II that, that was done great, but made no money at the box office. And then another Sharknado just wipes the floor with it. The, uh, somebody call Cameron, or uh, not Cameron, uh, somebody call Spielberg or Nolan and let's get this movie started. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Granted, if you call Nolan, you're going to have to have... Uh... No, real sharks will be in the water. <laughs> People will actually die if, if Nolan's there. And the movie won't be allowed to be streamed. Yeah, nope, no, no. The, uh, and there will be no, no, no digital. Uh, all, There'll be a real film. fucking snuff film. The, uh, yeah. he'll, he'll force the movie to be released during a pandemic and only make a quarter of its budget in the domestic box office. The, <laughs> because I don't care. Because I'm Chris Nolan and I know better. Dude, he's, dude it, half the time, like every time I hear something that Chris Nolan has done, all I think of is fucking dodgeball when, with the Globo Gym uh, infomercial. We're <laughs> better than you. <laughs> and, and we, we know it. it. <laughs> That's all I think of every time he's around. The um, that's what ha- folks. That's what happens when you drink your own Kool Aid, the and you start to drink your own uh, uh, isms. The um, Nolanisms is starting to be when Chris Nolan is starting to do Nolanisms. It's time to revert back to original form. Yeah, the, you've gone too far, my friend. But the, yeah, the USS Indianapolis. Um, I think that would be a great movie to watch. I agree. I, I agree. Truly that. horrifying experience. The um, I mean, what was it? It was eleven hundred soldiers, and only like three hundred of them got out. I think even less than that. I think it was around the two hundred number, or something like that. It's been a while since I've looked into it, but it's insane. How, yeah. You know, yeah, it was. It's a, it's kind of a, it's really interesting because before Jaws made that story famous, a lot of people had no idea about it. It was a very under the rug kind of type of story, and it wasn't even about classified. Stuff like you know, or classified information, or at least from what I know, it wasn't anything about. I mean, by the time Jaws came out, I'm sure the events of that you know incident were public, you know, knowledge or whatever at that point. But you know, only history buffs are gonna know about that shit. Or Jaws, or Jaws fans. Well, once Jaws came out, yeah. The um, (laughs) uh, so um, yeah, that's awesome. The uh, there's um, a few documentaries that do a pretty good job, but I mean, it's not like a cinematic movie experience or a horror movie, which is what I would prefer to see. The um, no, I, I hear you on that. So, um, B man. So I knew what my pick was right away. Um, but first, I, I am going to preface by saying this topic is probably a little more serious to me than to you guys. Because okay. um, like when I was a kid and I was living in Virginia, like I lived like right near where the DC sniper happened. Oh. And then like within a year after that happened, there was already like a TV movie made about it. 
And even as a kid, I'm just like, really? Less than a year and you're all and the vultures are already trying to capitalize off of this? Yeah. If I remember um, correctly, didn't they do that with the uh, Boston bombing scenario? Uh, yes. yes, they did. Yeah, yes, it was like did. less than a year. Um, was that the Mark Wahlberg yeah. one or the... Which uh, that movie was actually a lot more respectful. And that was actually a much better movie than I thought it would have ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Whereas the, the, you know, TV movies of the week, it's just like, you know, they're just trying to capitalize off of it. And, um, yeah, so, uh, so when it comes to like real life stories like these, especially recent ones, I do feel there should be some degree of respect towards it. And then of, of course. course there's also like the whole pizza bomber thing that happened that happened in Erie, <clears throat> Pennsylvania, which was like a half hour from where my family moved to and of course there was um like really like every like crime show just like tackled on that one after that happened like Dude, i also remember i they think made there a was a parody movie of it yeah with, there was uh, what's uh, the jesse eisenberg movie yeah. 30 minutes or less um there was cold case i think criminal minds did something with uh, it really okay. Um, or at least, you know, those similar shows. I don't know if it was Criminal Minds specifically, but, you know, you know, those types of shows. It might have been NCIS. It might have been CSI. Actually, I think it was one of the CSIs now that I think about it. Yeah, the only one I knew of was the Jesse Eisenberg movie, 30 Minutes yeah, or Less. Yeah, and then, of course, the um, the shotgun collar from Saw 3 is pretty much modeled after that situation as well. Really? Yeah. I thought it was just the, what's it called, the bomb? It was like a bomb collar. So even oh, it was a collar. Yeah. Okay. So even though in Saw 3 they turn it into like a shotgun collar, when you look at the time of when everything was made and all that, you know where they got the idea from. Oh, fair enough. Um, and then it wasn't until maybe a couple years ago where there was a Netflix, four-part Netflix documentary called Evil Genius, which actually went through the case and everything. And it was actually a much more bizarre case than what was just live on the news that day Mm. and i thought that documentary actually did a very respectful job of it as well and i even learned a few things in that documentary that i didn't know beforehand Mm. um because yeah when you watch a movie it is easy to forget that these are real people that were affected by everything um so i think the least a movie could do is at least be uh respectful serious and try to be as accurate as possible. Mm. Um, that's also one of the reasons why I think Zodiac is probably one of the, if not the best serial killer movie ever made. Fair enough. Um, so with that little preface, uh, my pick, um, I first learned about this like right after it happened when my brother was driving me home from college one day. We both finished our classes, we're going home. And we'd always listen to like these two guys on the radio. I forget what they were, who they were, but they were talking about Anthony Sowell and the Cleveland murder house. And he was also been dubbed as the Cleveland strangler. And so what makes this case interesting is, well, I'll go into a little background first. So, um, when he was convicted, they found basically 11 remains of bodies in his home um how they found him was in september 2009 uh, he invited this woman to his home for a drink 
And according to the police report, after a few drinks, he became uh, agitated, hit her, choked her, raped her as she was passed out. And I guess she actually managed to escape. Mm. Um, when the police found there, they found, I believe, five bodies inside the house, five bodies buried in a shallow grave in his backyard. And there was a, a skull to an 11th body just wrapped in a paper bag. Mm. Um with the exception of two of the bodies that were too decom- too badly decomposed for the coroners to say what happened to them, every death was through strangulation, either with his bare hands or with the aid of like a wire or a cord or something like that. Um, so the interesting part of this case is leading up to the discovery of the bodies... Um, there is actually a meatpacking uh, company uh, called Ray's Sausage that was being blamed for the horrible smell coming from that area of the neighborhood to the point where the government actually forced them to, cause, to do like all these like really expensive repairs and cleanings. Like they completely redid their sewage system and everything. And like tens of thousands of dollars of repairs that were then later discovered to be from the decomposing bodies that this man murdered. Wow. And I was researching this a little bit beforehand. And the last I can find of this was an article from three years ago. And the owner of Ray sausage was talking about how they are still just barely hanging on because of how many thousands of dollars they had to, that the government forced them to spend, but they hadn't gotten any aid back because like, it turns out that they had nothing to do with what was going on. Yeah. Nothing to do with this fucking serial killer. Jesus. Yeah. So they kind of got really screwed over on this one. So it's like this man murdered 11 people and his actions are still affecting a business. Um, wow. I couldn't find anything about Ray Sausage today, um, so I'm hoping the situation for them is better. But then, of course, we're in the times that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. But, of course, everybody still needs food. So if there's any business that could kind of hang on during this time, um, people are always going to need food, regardless of situation. But yeah. I, I hope they're still hanging on. I think it's a really crummy situation that the government forced them to do all these repairs. And then it's like, oh, whoops, wasn't you. Um, yeah, we're not going to help you out with that. Um, so I think that's just a crummy situation. Um, I do believe Anthony Sowell is currently on death row. Yeah, so it looks like he did get the death penalty. Um, still sitting on death row, though. So yeah, it's, I think that could be an inter- interesting movie. A serial killer can affect more than just the people he kills. Like serial, like we all talk about like what kind of person they like. Everybody talks about the serial killer themselves, and of course, like the direct victims. But nobody really thinks about like any outstanding economic effects that serial killers can have on the areas around them. Um, there hasn't been that much made about him. All I could find, according to Wikipedia at least, was there was like a short half-hour documentary made for some TV series, and then there was a Cleveland filmmaker that made a documentary that played at the Cleveland International Film Festival, but nothing 
on the scale of like an actual movie or like the Netflix Evil Genius documentary. So nothing on like a large production scale that's been made yet. It's um, really fucking cool because I wouldn't have known about this. Yeah. The, um, uh, I wouldn't have known about this at all. Yeah, and it does on service kind of sound ridiculous. A sausage factory being blamed for the smells coming from these dead bodies and essentially... We've approached Sweeney Todd a, a level of yeah. a, a level of. Uh, then when you actually think about it, it's like, oh no, this is actually a really serious situation. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred ten percent. The um, uh, and it's crazy too. You know, I I, I I just thought it was funny that you brought up like the DC uh, sniper shooting. Um, uh, you know, I remember I had a bunch of my picks, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, uh, you know, was talking about things that happened way before I was born, but it's funny that. Some of this shit, you know, happened very much when we were all around. I mean, we all remember, you know, all, you know, we, I remember the DC uh, shooting going on. Another fucking thing that was, uh, that video games came into, into play of being blamed yeah. for. They blamed Halo, um, saying that the DC sniper Oh, that one shooter, they blamed Halo for? Yeah, they, they blamed, they said it was Halo's fault to the DC shooter. I don't is. remember A Halo sci-fi shooter. <laughs> um, I just remember a lot of parents being afraid to send their kids to school. It was a long and like they too. wouldn't let any of the kids outside for like during that entire time either. Yeah. Um, well, that's the funny thing. I mean, another thing that just you know grips a you know a community and grips yeah you know uh, you know fears a motherfucker. The I mean we you know I mean let's be perfectly honest we you know we discover and talk about a genre that's all about fear. So I mean because yeah, like with the sniper it was I if I remember right he there was somebody specific that he was trying to kill but he was also picking a lot of random other people just to try to throw off any kind of motive yeah and that's what really set people off it's these kills are random and they're happening from afar and and also in broad daylight yeah i mean you know they somebody a bunch of people got picked off in a fucking walmart parking lot the um it turns out it was a father and and son duo um uh, that was a big that was the other big thing about that yeah that was weird that was weird the uh, it was a weird, um, a lot of a lot of weird fucking sh- people kind of lost their minds in the you know post nine eleven like five years uh, around that time you know in between the time was really strange. I believe that was like two thousand and four or two thousand and five. The, um, the DC sniper. Yeah. No, it was a lot earlier than that. Was it oh three or oh two? If they were blaming Halo, <coughs> then it would have to have been around like two thousand two thousand one. Well, I mean, Halo came out two thousand one. Would have been yeah. right around there. Three weeks in October two thousand and two. Okay, all right, yeah, that was yeah, it was right there, so toward, uh, almost at the end of O two at that point. All right. So yeah, it was interesting. It was a weird time. It was a weird time. The um, uh, but yeah, another one that gripped uh, a, a community. Okay, my mistake. Two thousand and three. So it came out literally a year after Jesus. October O three. Like two, pretty much. Yeah, exactly one year after. Fucking vultures. <laughs> the, um, it's fucking insane. So, um, did you have a, a, a another another event or another... No, that was it. That kind of combined the yeah. two events and everything else. So, um, I got a few things. Um, the uh, one, one in particular I, I love because I, I think it's... I actually think it's from a very dark comedy perspective. I would love to see a dark comedy done in it. It, it, was, a, it was researching serial killers for another project and uh, there's this dude named peewee gaskins killed like 111 people in south carolina in like the early 1900s before you know d 
DNA and fingerprints and all that shit. <coughs> and, and the crazy part was he literally drove around in a hearse with a bumper sticker that says "We haul dead people." The uh, any when he was when he was arrested by the cops, he said. I drove around in a hearse because it was a lot easier to transport the people that I had murdered to my private cemetery. So I would love to do a dark comedy of, about about a serial killer that drives around in a fucking hearse with an obvious bumper sticker and just see how many Talk people... About hiding in plain sight. Oh, dude. Yeah. It, it, when I read the fact, I'm like, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Fucking pure definition. Jesus Christ. Like, it, it, like and I, was, I was like, if you ever wanted to know what zero fucks look like, that's that's the guy right there. The, and he killed a hundred and a hundred to like hundred and twelve people. This is fucking insane. The um, and they, they never found him because he had a private. I think he actually worked in a cemetery or owned a cemetery, mm-hmm. so he's literally able to bury the bodies in a cemetery. So there was no. It was like like Breaking Bad shit where they you know spoiler alert when they hide the fucking meth lab underneath. The, the laundry mat and then all the chemicals go through naturally it, it was it's like that kind of shit like the the organization behind it is almost pure the um where there's no there's no interruptions to how they you know they can never find the bodies because they're in a fucking graveyard where bodies belong so and i was like this is crazy um but i i, I didn't really know too much more about him except for that but um but the fact alone i'm like i'm like this is Hundred percent, something that needs to be covered in a dark comedy. The other two, though, were were pretty serious, and they're both here in Chicago, um, uh, and they kind of both gripped communities. Uh, one was in the late '60s, and one was in the '80s. The one in the '80s is, is a lot more simple to explain. Was the um, the Tylenol thing? Um, I don't know if you guys know about the um, the whole um, the whole thing with Tylenol. Um, it was yeah, a huge, it was a huge com- uh, controversy. So. In like the 1980s, um, they did not have seals on the on the Tylenol. Yeah. So um, somebody they um, that's that's a real scary part. They never caught the person. Literally walked into a bunch of supermarkets and put cyanide in the Tylenol pills, and like eight, I think seven or eight people died, and there was a huge mass panic of you know of bunch of stuff being compromised. And that's where the federal government had to come in and say, hey, for all um, pain medication or things like that, they had to put that warning label, if this seal is broken, the uh, do not consume. It was because of that particular serial killer. And that was a huge thing that was that was going on. And it's just it's frightening to figure out that no one was ever caught for that. Um, it just kind of... And, and as soon as the seals were, were introduced, it never happened again in any other medication. Um, you know, or at least not to our knowledge, it, it kind of became this thing of folklore. Like it, it kind of became into the zeitgeist of like putting the razor blades in the apples and shit like that. The um, that was always really cool. But the um, the other one that was really it was really cool was um, Richard Speck, who was the um, who ironically enough, very similar to like um, I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie Frequency. Oh um, my! The um, I highly recommend it. It's a it's a fun. I've never st- seen it, but I know the Reno nine one one joke. The um, it's yeah. The, um, if you know the Reno nine one joke, it's, it's actually it's a good movie. Um, it's it's one of those like Sunday morning afternoon movies that I recommend. <clears throat> something to like catch on cable and like you watch it. And there's a whole there's a serial killer element with it called the Nightingale Murders, and it's all 
um, a guy who kills nurses. And there's, I think there's a tiny bit of correlation between him, same time period, um, and then same M.O. Um, this guy, um, Richard, went into, um, uh, into a, a whole room where a bunch of nurses in training were at and then killed them all in the middle of their sleep. And actually, it's referenced in Mad Men. Um, uh, the, uh, when the grandmother, um, is falling asleep with a butcher knife and the, and, and young girl asks her why she's sleeping with a butcher knife is because of all the things that happened in Chicago. Um, and it's actually made a reference in that show. And, um, and I remember I did a report in the sixties and talking with my Nana and she's like, yeah, like the, the, the whole city was in a panic. Um, they didn't know what the hell was going on cause they didn't catch him for days um, and there was like one witness, she was crazy, unreliable, the, um, and nobody had ever seen anything like that, you know, um, it, it, to have young women be brutalized that badly. And then, and the funny thing is it, it became commonplace in horror for a bunch of young women to get murdered and everything else. But this is long before, you know, anything like that was ever seen or known in pop culture. So it was pretty horrific. I mean, I remember not, uh, literally telling my aunt Debbie, Hey, Go to the you know the local store and go get me A, B, and C. But don't fucking wander. Do not do anything else. You literally go there and you fucking come right back. Do not fucking if you're gone for more than ten minutes. I know exactly how long it takes you to get from point A to point B. I'm coming to fucking find you. The um, uh, and I love Brandon and Zach are both laughing because they both know <laughs> both know my nana. The you know how that conversation probably went. The um, uh, so it was crazy uh, to learn more about that and. I don't, he's not one of those that gets referenced a lot. Like, you know, especially in the 1960s, everybody talks about Manson and, um, uh, you know, a couple other ones that became big in the 70s. So he, it happened like right at the same time and he kind of gets over, you know, overshadowed by Manson. So you don't really know a lot about him. And, um, and, and I, I thought it was interesting because before that report, I had never heard of him before. Um, but it's funny how he's just popped up and, and other things, you know, in frequency, and then also in Mad Men, I'm like, oh, I know exactly who the fuck that is. But the funny thing is, had I not done that report, I would have just, just, I would have just, oh, it's just some serial killer because it was crazy time when you know Mad Men were being talked about. But, but I thought it was really interesting, and I think that'd be a cool story to do, um, to talk about, you know, the actual murders themselves and the manhunt to go after this guy, but also the panic that it put over Chicago. Uh, during that time because a lot of people don't it wasn't the level of panic that like son of sam had because son of sam went on for longer but it was very very truncated and chicago hadn't you know experienced anything quite like that up until that point so i think it'd be a real interesting interesting thing to to focus the focus on and the last thing i'll I'll mention um the last two things i'll mention was one there was a guy that I did acting with that looked just the fuck like the kid from Calibine. Like, it looked just like him. And I'm like, I'm like, this dude would be perfect to play, uh, you know, one of the one of the guys um, in Calibine. And that's an interesting story. It'd be interesting to see how everything, you know, I would do it very much like the style of a lot of those movies um, in, the, in the late 90s, you know, Fight Club and... Um, um, uh, Woody Harrelson, it's a, the movie in the 90s, um, Natural Born Killers. Um, uh, it'd be very much like um, in that kind of style of Natural Born Killers and Fight Club, that kind of dark, um, angsty kind of 90s look to it. 
Um, it'd be real interesting to do. And then the and the last thing, just because it's fucking batshit, um, insane. And I think like Lifetime probably did a fucking bullshit version of it, but I, I don't care to even look it up because it's probably awful. But the whole thing with Amanda Berry was fucking bizarre. The um, I don't know if you guys ever knew about that. There was it was Amanda Berry and like a couple other girls um, uh, that got kidnapped by a guy. And they literally were locked in in his basement for like fifteen years. Oh, this fucking story! Yeah, like like and like like people people thought that she was dead, and like all the other girls were dead. Yeah, and one of them had the guy. Um, one of them, one of the girls had the had the guy's kid because he fucking raped her, and, yeah. and they had a kid. It's it was fucking fucked insane. Up. Yeah, like you you like. And that was that whole like joke where that one neighbor who kind of had the crazy hair was a black guy, he had the crazy hair, and like, and he was calling the cops, and he's like, I was really fucking confused because I was on the phone with him, and and like she said, I'm Amanda Berry, call nine one one. He's like, I'm calling for Amanda Berry, and it's like I thought Amanda Berry was dead. The um uh, the um Amanda Berry was the other girl. Um uh, the and it was just this fucking insane story about this dude who literally in suburbia, normal life. It literally had like three girls locked in his fucking basement and a kid locked in his basement. Yeah, it's me and Wes uh, were talking about that story a few years back, and it's just like Jesus fucking Christ. Could you imagine fifteen years being locked in a basement for your entire? That's a fucked up scenario to be in, man. Dude, well, it, with it, a kid. Yeah, it was a yeah Elizabeth Smart Smart and Amanda Berry. Um, uh, I I think yeah, it was fifteen years. The um, uh, it was fifteen fucking years in Salt Lake City. The um, uh, it's fucking bizarre. And he was, a, a, yeah, he was the truest definition of a, a sociopath because the neighbor who actually found her and then called the cops and and he's the one who got everything started. Like he's like, I knew this guy. Like he lived in that house for years. Like he used to come over to my house and we used to have barbecues and shit. He's like, I never knew that anything was going on. Like, he would look at me in the eye and, and treat me like a neighbor all the time. I had no clue. And, 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 and like, that's what's really scary because this this dude so had the, no d- uh, distinction between what the fuck was going on in his basement and then what was going on in the outside world. The best serial killers are the best actors. <laughs> Shit. The, um, uh, the, uh, <laughs> if trauma taught us anything. What was that quote from, uh, from that book, Brandon? Most people that are talented are, are are either unreliable or crazy. Pretty much. The uh, or both. Yeah. The um, <coughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, it was just fucking bizarre. Uh, you know, like this crazy story. And I would love to do a story on this on this guy uh, who was able to. I would make the focus on him, the actual serial killer, because it'd be fucking fascinating to watch this dude literally do the shit in the basement and then walk right up and then live with the rest of the rest of us up in society. It was almost like he was, he was the devil and he'd go down to hell in his basement and act like the devil, but as soon as he went up to earth, he would act like the rest of us. The um uh, and just is unfucking believable to have be somebody be stuck for 15 years in the basement. Yeah, he used to let him he used to like make him think that they were um that he had left home and he would hide he would hide, and then they, they literally he would. He's basically conditioning them, so they would come up and they would they would think he was gone, and he would be really quiet, and then they would run for the door, and he'd fucking grab them, and then beat the shit out of them, and throw them back down in the basement. Like basically the same way that they train elephants in the circus, like you know how when they're infants they put around like a huge weight around their neck, so when they grow up and everything else, once they're around their neck, they don't, psychologically, they're conditioned to know that they can't lift it. When in fact, they could lift it, but because they were conditioned as a child, 
not a, not to be able to do that physical exercise they believe it into adulthood you got to that kind of level of yeah. of sociopath bullshit the um uh, and it's it's horrifying but it's all you know it's also fascinating at the same time so uh, it's yeah it's it was fucking bizarre the uh, uh, crazy situation the and obviously a lot of people make fun of the neighbor because he's kind of a a weird eccentric dude um uh, you know but but at the end of the day he did he did in fact save her so yeah um uh, you know more power to him the um but yeah it was just fucking crazy the um uh, yeah that that was mine those are mine the um uh, the um I, I do have a question though the podcast unless you guys have any other things that you just remembered while you're talking yeah, I pretty much said everything I need to say fair enough fair <clears throat> enough now we're talking about things that we would do in horrific events what's something that you wouldn't do what's something that you saw that you were just like you know what I can't do that what's something that you're like you know what I, I don't I don't need to see that I don't want to see that I wouldn't want to make it um it'd be too personal oh. it'd be too you know, whatever the case may be, is I I know what I wouldn't do, but I'm very curious to hear about what nothing, some, nothing. The uh, no, the, like honestly, the more fucked up and horrifying it is, the more intrigued I'm gonna be, and the more I'm probably gonna want to make it. Mm, fair enough, Brandon. Yeah, but that's just me. I'm done with people being tied to chairs because there is that one point in my life where it's like right after I graduated, just the only short films I was being asked to help make. Or people tied to chairs. And there was one that was in a garage, that was specifically in a garage. Okay, it wasn't ours. <laughs> which was the infamous, I'm not pressing record for you until you get these people some food situation. I thought you were going to draw the line at Mark. Yours was the pants. last one, but it's like just, no, I, I, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I can only film somebody tied to a chair from so many angles before I just go, th- this isn't even creative or fun or and it's i'm sure you're expecting something more along the lines of this is too messed up that i don't want to do it but i mean it's for the for the most part i do agree with zach it's it's not what we're showing but it's how we're doing it agreed but for me just i've gone through person tied to a chair so many times that I, i just have no desire to ever film something like that Ever again. Fair enough. I still blame you for taking your pants off. <laughs> the um, uh, I, I know. The um, I think the one thing I, I I think I approach it more from uh, the um, you know, it's not about the subject. Matter. I agree with you guys. It's not about the subject matter. It's about how you tackle it. Yeah. And I think there's one event that I just wouldn't know how to tackle, so I don't even want to approach it. It was probably Sandy Hook. The um, uh, I I don't even know how I would do that. Like I personally wouldn't do it just because I don't know much about it. But the, like, it's just one of those things that like I don't even know how to do that. Like in a way that that is effective and and like I wouldn't even want to try to figure that puzzle out. Give it time. I some I of these figured, you just you gotta wait a while and let people yeah, cool down. Yeah, dude, so, how many is, years ago was Sandy Hook? It now? was like five. five I want to say Roughly. five or six. The um, uh, it was one of those things, man. It's just like I don't know. I can handle, you know. I know how to map things out in my December two thousand and twelve. Oh wow, oh, wow, so, a lot wow. further so back was, than I was, thought. Okay, Jesus yeah, Christ, that is from um, the um. So now we're to my yeah. It's it's like I'm not against it happening, and I just I don't know if somebody really wanted me to do it. I guess all right, sure. I would need a 
proper team to help guide me through that one. Like, but it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, is there has to be that proper degree of respect. Exactly. Because, like, the, the, those people went through something. Oh. Pr- it, I don't wish that on anybody. And neither do I, and that's kind of why and I picked it. even just, like, some of the aftermath stuff, where it's like, I was reading an article about this one father who lost his daughter, and because one newspaper accidentally misprinted the date as like the day before he's been harassed by so many people saying you know your daughter isn't really dead it's a big conspiracy and it's just like come on realize so it's not just the event itself but there's a lot of like super messed up the conspiracy theory aftermath thing that came after that was really just disgusting there's a lot of crazy shit that happened i think there's that too I don't have a, you know, everybody always talks about, like, you know, a lot of motivational people talk about the why you do things. Um, but, you know, the why is always the more important thing. But the second most important thing is how. The, um, I don't know what the why is and I don't know what the how is. And I wouldn't even know how to how to navigate those waters. And that's kind of where I'm like, I'm, the, I'm just going to be out. Give it enough time, thought, and prep, I could do the how. But the why, it's just, it's another horror movie. Why do people, why do we watch slashers? We like watching people die. I think, I think, it's, I think it's more different, though, because it's further away from our own reality. The, I was talking to somebody recently about that. Like, she's like, I have no problem with, um, uh, you know, with the you know with the the freddies of the world and the jasons of the world and everything else is only when you get closer to reality do i have a problem same thing what your mom said why she wouldn't show jaws to you and i as silly as it fucking sounds it's there's actually some merit to it the um freddie and jason and that, that bullshit they don't exist but sharks do in fact exist sure i do agree to a degree but i also like real true horrifying events hell it's part of our fucking show <laughs> Well, you bring up a good point. You know, one of the biggest episodes I would love to do for Living Nightmares is the, um, what's it called, Uh, Batman shooting. Because there's actually a real live account of what somebody experienced in that theater, and it's truly fucking horrifying. And I think that would be a great episode to bring to the show. The, um, and that's, you know, and... But again... We gotta, you know, that, do a, it properly. You know what? And that and that one, I would be way more willing to take on because that actually has a, you know, I, I vaguely more personal connection with that because because I was actually at a, I was nowhere near, obviously nowhere near Colorado, and and nor do I even want to pretend that my life is even remotely close to what they said. But I was in fact at a midnight premiere of that movie. The uh, yeah, was, I mean, we so, we've all done midnight premieres before. Hell, yeah. I did midnight premieres for every. Star Wars and Spider-Man movie in existence. Yeah. The, well, no, not every Spider-Man. Every real Spider-Man movie. Yeah. End of story. <laughs> the um uh, the it, and it was it's yeah it was interesting waking up the next day and and watching CNN I'm like holy fuck I was I was at a pre, uh, uh, you know a midnight premiere and then you know did I remember Colorado's no different than Illinois or you know anywhere else in the in, in the world or in the country. That was my first quarter of school. I remember everybody was so excited to see the Batman movie. You know I'm I'm a Batman fan, but I'm not like I didn't really care for the Nolan movies all that much, so I didn't bother. But I came to school and everybody's fucking talking about. It. I'm like Jesus Christ, what the fuck happened? And then a few years later, I'd end up working at a Cinemark myself. <laughs> I didn't even know that that it was a Cinemark that got hit eventually. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm doing maintenance with my boss, and it's just like, Jesus Christ, we got some pretty hardcore security. Well, yeah, after our fucking uh, branch got blamed for the fucking uh, Batman shooting, we had to do it. Wait, that was a Cinemark? Yep. 
Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> the uh, yeah, and all the all the like costumes got banned at midnight premieres. You're and... not allowed to wear masks or anything yeah. like like they take security super serious. At least at Cinemark, AMC, and all that. I don't know their rules and regulations. I just know Cinemark. They take that shit very seriously. No, no, no. I remember. I remember afterwards the um. Uh, I remember going to a few AMC's and there was a couple signs at the door because there was a couple like bigger premieres after that, like you know um, maybe the next year or so. I think there was a few like. The one, so a couple of the big Marvel movies had come out at that time, and they were like, "Yeah, no masks. No, we want to be able to see everybody." They had started AMC had invested in a bunch of like facial recognition shit. So like, oh, I didn't see any of that. The but... um, uh, I mean, there was a lot of that going on. The only other theater I know that had some hardcore like rules and shit was um Regal, because that's where me, Matt, and Ray would go to watch all the Star Wars movies, and they wouldn't allow us to bring our lightsabers in there. Well, we went to go that. see Star Wars. I remember that. I was able to get by with my Kylo Ren mask during The Force Awakens, but that was about it. Yeah, the um, yeah, yeah I saw a bunch of people. were all just like, as soon as we got past the security guard, whoop. It's interesting when when life when art imitates life and life imitates art and that line is very very thin. The um you know and it it's 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 even more um you know introspective and more um philosophical for people who actually do that. You know it's it, I mean it's fascinating for people who are fans of movies, but people who make them it's even more interesting because we're dabbling in in the the balance between life and art every day. Um, not every day, but pretty pretty damn near close. Or at least if we had our way, we'd be doing it every day. Yeah. The um, uh, so it's it's interesting that yeah that one was weird. That one was a weird weird one for me because I was also was in theater. I was making films at the time, and, and I think all of us all of us were at that time. And when life and art kind of slam together in a weird way, um, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting introspective time. The um, uh, you know, I yeah, it was weird. The um, it was a yeah, weird thing. It's, um, I've been kind of thinking about this, and it's like, <clears throat> like for me, I don't know if I would take on that subject matter as a project. Mm. But like I said, it kind of just comes down to how it's done, and also it's like, and this is something that goes with like literally any script that comes my way. Um, one question I always ask myself is, is this something that I just want to do? Like, like a lot of times it's like, do I have, but it's like, okay. Um, like right after that event happened, like within, I think it was actually, I mean, Zach and I went to the same school. He was well behind me. Um, I think I saw you in the I've, hallway in a couple I, of I know classrooms. I've seen you around yeah. the school at that point. I want to say you were around two years. But we never, we never actually interacted in the school. Yeah. But I saw you around a couple times towards the end of my time there. Yeah. Um, so Dark Knight Rises would have been about two years before I graduated because I graduated. So yeah, you in were two years ahead of me then. Yeah. Right. So I graduated in fourteen. Yeah. Uh, this was summer two thousand twelve, and I think it was the same quarter as this. And my roommate, one of my roommates, was an illustration student, mm-hmm. and one of the projects he had that quarter was you had to make like. Um, like a t- eight or ten page, like little comic book, not book? not not a flip book, but like something that you can actually read with a complete oh, okay. story and everything. And you had to make copies for everybody in the class. And there was one that he brought back that one of his classmates made, and he just said, "Read this." I was like, "Okay." Nothing like like having that statement thrown at you with that. Just gravitas. a hardcore deadpan. Just read this. 
Um, That's the bro equivalent of, dude, you got to check this the fuck out. <laughs> so it was like, okay. And so it started out with just like this scrawny guy getting ready for a date, picking up, you know, this girl from her home. And it's like uh, her father's like, I mean, this boy clearly doesn't work out. You know, he's like, who, who is he? Like, it's like everybody's like making fun of this kid. And then the ending is they're at a movie theater and the movie theater gets shot up and he actually steps in front of the girl he himself gets killed of course not and the ending was something like at least he's not some piece of shit who would just run away during a shooting and i'm just like oh what timing a version of the story like that i would not touch with a hundred foot pole so because that was just a clear okay so did somebody, he make that because of the shooting or this was, was this just this perfectly was timed this was well enough time this is like later in the quarter okay so this because i can't remember where in the quarter it happened i want to say it had to have been in the middle or the end yeah so to do an illustration like that do all the drawing get that all done plus make copies like that would take that, time that part of that was maybe just the last page or two okay of it so but still it's like to go through that and to use an event like that to make a point like that yeah yeah i'm not i'm not touching that here's whereas like if i were to get a script based on the event that's more in the vein of like patriots day i would be more inclined to take on a project like that so that kind of just goes back to what i said it's it's why are you doing it but also how are you doing it as well and I, like i said earlier I it's there, there should be and especially if you're going with something that is still super like not super recent but recent enough where there are people still blatantly affected by it you gotta have that degree of respect i agree um and, and i always approach every every script with what i pretty much almost exactly the, the same way that you do brandon which is uh, would I enjoy to see the see this as a because I'm a movie fan? Would I enjoy to, to watch this? You know, you know that's if I were to see my name on those credits, would I be proud that my name are on those credits? Well, that's true too. You know, would you be proud of it? You know, there's a bunch of shit that I enjoy that I'm not proud that I enjoy it. Um, but there's a lot of bad bad artistic stuff, and I think I, I think that opens me up for more you know more opportunities. But here's a here's a very ironic twist of fate. That actually happened. I don't know if you guys know that know that story. That actually happened. There was a guy who was there with his date, and oh no, no, I, I, I know it happened. I don't know. I don't know if you knew that. But happened. I'm saying. Oh no, like, I know. I hear the, what you're saying. The, the point that the story saying. was trying to make is very in the way that it was trying to yeah, make it. Bad. It felt very middle school f- bullshit. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I just I, I find it ironic that that, that it's even somewhat more even based on. You know the true aspects of it, and that's and that's what makes it even feel even weirder is yeah. because you know if if that was like a fictitious thing within the story, you know a a, um, a guy you know uh, jumps in front of a bullet to save his girlfriend and everything else, like yeah, I guess I would forgive a little bit more, but you know it, 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 with it being an actual true story within that story, that's even worse. The um, uh, so yeah, no, I I agree with you. The yeah. um, uh, it's it's interesting. The um. Uh, like it was well more, it was way more exploitive than honoring, and that, as opposed to Patriots Day, which is 
I mean, there's still that degree of exploitation because, you know, they made a movie that makes millions of dollars in box office. Correct. But in terms of actually watching it and how I feel watching it, it feels a lot more honoring than exploitive. Yeah. The, uh, that's, that's all... Uh, <laughs> and, now, and, and now you get into all kinds of crazy shit, like what the responsibility of an artist is, the, um, uh, you know, when it comes to telling those stories. The, um, uh, and that's a... That's a topic for another day, but it, but that's a it's a it's a cool thing to talk about. But yeah. um, uh, there's an infinite number of situations. Oh yeah, it, the list can go on and yeah. on and on. So, uh, so I'll I'll we'll um uh, we'll go ahead and, uh, and wrap it up here. Uh, final thoughts, squirrels, Brandon. I like I said, I feel I said everything I had to say. Fair enough. Um, and you know what? I've I think I've said everything I have to say as well. So, um, so thank you so much. Send us out, Brandon. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nightmares Podcast. You can listen to all of our previous episodes wherever podcasts are available. And also be sure to check us out on our social media at Midwest Horror Network on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Slasher. And, of course, if you are checking this out on YouTube, please, uh, please stab that like button, smash that subscribe, and click that little dingy bell to be notified every time we drop amazing content right here on the Midwest Horror Network channel. And also, if you are checking this out on Spotify or any other podcast streaming services, press that follow button to also be notified every time we drop a new episode of the Nightmares Podcast. Thank you so much, and we will see you all next time. Bye. <laughs>